So we're in a series called Hunger for God. We started this at the beginning of the year, growing in hunger for God. We began the year with some prayer and fasting, and uh, some of you participated in that. It was really good, powerful. Some good things are going to come from all of that throughout this, this next year. Do you believe that? So growing in our hunger for God, and if you haven't been able to hear the previous sermons, you can get online, you can watch them or just listen to them. But this kind of sets the foundation of where we're headed this year as a church family. And today we're going to talk about something that, uh, quite honestly, I've never preached on. Uh, I've done a little bit of teaching on it, but I hope that this is something that's going to really connect with each of us today. Um, and it's one of those things that God wants us to be hungry for in our lives. And honestly, I'm hesitant to tell you what it is. I just would rather just talk about it rather than label it with what the Scripture labels it to be because we've all seen this used and abused throughout the years in the church. And we've seen people claim to have this gift and they speak, speak out of turn. They speak without the authority to speak to what they're speaking to, but they're looking for recognition and they're looking to be a spiritual guru in our eyes. Anybody ever seen that in your history? in the church. Yes. So with that out there, let me get into it by saying, okay, we have some dirty bath water, but in the dirty bath water is a baby. And this baby brings joy. This baby brings peace. This baby brings smiles. This baby brings hope in a moment of darkness, right? And so let me give you a name for the baby that's in the dirty bathwater, that we're not going to throw the baby out. We're just going to try to deal with the bathwater. Amen? Let's just pull the plug and the bathwater will go down the drain and the baby gets to stay in the tub. So here's the name of it. Prophecy. So we're going to talk about prophecy today. And look what the scripture says. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. Love should be your guide. Be eager to have the gifts that come from the Holy Spirit. Especially the gift of prophecy. Especially this gift. So to give you a little context of this. Basically, Paul was dealing with a, a lot of the Corinthian stuff that he, the, that he wrote to the, to the church of Corinth was basically a lot of correction and trying to teach him and, and helping us also to know how to function at some level in our churches today, spiritually. And so what was happening in the church in Corinth is people were coming in and they were speaking in tongues to, and just that's, that's what they would do. And, and listen, speaking in tongues is, is perfectly fine. It's scriptural. It's something that, that is very meaningful in my personal life, in my personal prayer time with God. And I would encourage you to experience this baptism in the Holy Spirit. But what was happening was the people were just coming into the church and they were all just blah, 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 blah. And there was nothing. There was no accountability to what was being said. There was, uh, there was no edification because nobody could understand what anybody was saying. And so Paul was going to deal with that. He says, okay, listen, I would much rather you go after the gift of prophecy than that because there's edification in it and there's some accountability to it. 
all right? So he says, love should be your guide. So this is one of those areas, though, in Christianity where people try to be more than they really are. You know what I'm talking about? I got my hair cut for the first time from this lady this week, and I could tell she was trying to impress me because she, she wants business, right? She wants you to come back, and so she was trying to come up with some things that would make her a little bit different, and, and she would say things that really didn't matter. I didn't need to know these things, and um, if they were right, it would make her look like she's some kind of hair guru, right? And she led with this. Oh, and listen, she was Chinese, and I'm not, I'm not going to use the, the Chinese sound, even though I love the sound of all the different... I find humans funny, okay? My wife was funny, okay? The, the way that she had her Southern Belle accent, I found it funny. So I would... Anyway, so I won't, I won't use her accent when I do this because I don't want you to think I'm some kind of a racist or something, okay? But she says, this is how she started. Oh, you have dandruff. <laughs> I looked around, I thought, thank God, nobody else is in the room. Like, wow, okay, this is how this is going to go, all right? So a little bit later, she says, you wear hat all time. Mm, no, I don't wear a hat all the time. I wear a hat when I fish. But I don't worry. You have this line across your head. And I'm thinking, well, do I look like some fat Hawaiian guy with a big roll on the back of my head? And the whole time she's complaining because she's got to figure out how to cut my hair to accommodate for this big roll of it. Nobody in my life has ever told me that, you know? And then she says, she says, good morning. Come on in. I think there's some seats right up here. Yeah. Good to see you, Rose. Then she says, um, you have no haircut for five weeks. And she's pulling my hair like it's long. And I said, mm, no, no, it's only been two weeks. No, five week. I said, mm, no, I know when I got my haircut. Two weeks, I, said, I promise. And she said, I don't believe you. Okay, she did this four times, you know, I'm thinking, my goodness. And then at one point, and I did not need to know this because she's never cut my hair before. She says, you losing your hair. What? <laughs> Seriously, this is not good. I thought, you don't know that I'm losing my hair. You've never seen what my hair looked like before this. How do you know? I mean, are there like, are there like divots where hair used to be? I'm thinking this while she's, she's not a hair guru, okay? At least not in my book. And, you know, people try to pull this spiritually, right? We try to pull stuff out of the air and, and look like we try to speak to, to each other, telling each other things that, that nobody's asking and trying to find ways for you to think that, that, you, that I know more spiritually than you do, or I know more about God, or I just heard this thing from heaven. And now listen, God does speak, and that's what we want to get to today. But we have to be very careful to not try to be some kind of spiritual guru. Otherwise, we look like some spiritual dumbo. <laughs> we look stupid, and the world hates us because of that. All right? 
And the, the church, we end up losing faith in God because of it. And we don't want that, do we? So, and let me be clear. I have no interest in having a church full of people trying to look and sound spiritual. Why? Because it turns into a bunch of prideful, arrogant, pig-headed know-it-alls. If I look irritated, I am. Because <laughs> I get frustrated with this stuff. You don't need to look spiritual. God never said, Jesus never said, go out and look spiritual. What did he tell us to do? Go out and love one another. You go love. All right, so Paul wrote this, and with good reason. He started it with these words. Love should be your guide. Now, the context of this passage. How many of you have ever heard 1 Corinthians 13? You've been to a wedding? Everybody's heard it read there, you know, and it sounds so wonderful. This is the context of this topic. The reason Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 13 was because he was coming into chapter 14 where he said, love must be your guide. Be eager for the spiritual gifts, using the spiritual gifts in love. And by the way, I want you guys to be hungry to prophesy. But love should be your guide. So he started all of this with 1 Corinthians 13 and, 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 and understanding that this is how we function using the gifts of God. So let's read 1 Corinthians 13 from that perspective. He begins with this. What if I could speak all languages of humans and even of angels? If I did not love others, I would be nothing more than a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. What if I could prophesy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge? And what if I had faith that moved mountains? I would be nothing unless I loved others. What if I give away all that I owned and let myself be burned alive? I would gain nothing unless I loved others. Love is patient, love is kind, love is, and it's never jealous, it's boast, never boastful, proud or rude. Love isn't selfish or quick-tempered. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs that others do. Love rejoices in the truth, but not in evil. Love is always supportive, loyal, hopeful, and trusting. Love never fails. Everyone who prophesies will stop. So understand, this, this has its place in the kingdom, but at some point it's going to stop. And unknown languages, tongues, is going to stop. All that we know will be forgotten. We don't know everything and our prophecies are not complete. So even though we may prophesy to each other, they're not complete. We don't have all the knowledge, okay? But what is perfect will someday appear and what isn't perfect will then disappear. When we were children, we thought and reasoned as children do. But when we grew up, we quit our childish ways. What is he saying? He wants you to be mature in using the spiritual gifts that God has given us. Now all we can see of God is like a cloudy picture in a mirror. Later, we will see him face to face. We don't know everything, but then we will. Just as God completely understands us. For now there are faith, hope, and love. But the three of these three, the greatest, is love. And then he says, love should be your guide. Be eager to have the gifts that come from the Holy Spirit. Especially the gift of prophecy. So, let's answer some questions about this. What is 
the gift of prophesying. Paul described it a bit in the chapter that we just read, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 2. He described it as this, what if I could prophesy and, here's the description, understand all mysteries and knowledge. All right, so there's a description of it. Another version put it this way, if I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day. So that's a description of what it looks like. So simply put is this. The gift of prophesying is understanding and communicating God's will and God's activity, God's mysteries and knowledge to people. Let you read through that a little bit. It's understanding and communicating God's will and God's activity, God's mysteries and God's knowledge to people. How many of you want to do that? Like eight of us. No. <laughs> Y'all are just being lazy, aren't you? We all want to do that. And I pray that by the time we're finished with this, that all of you will want it, that be, you'll be hungry for it and eager for it. Why? Because it's not as mystical and crazy as it sounds. And it's not as mystical and crazy as people have made it out to be. It's something very tangible and right there available for you. So, here's another question. Is prophesying important? It's very important. Very important to our faith. Because why? It shows that God has complete control over history and the future. That what, and, and here's why it's important too, that what God says He's going to do, He's going to do. And God has said a lot that He's going to do. And if we don't communicate that, then we don't know what He's going to do. And we sit here going, well, what are we doing here? Why are we here? Why do we have hope? I don't know. Nobody's reading the scriptures. Nobody's sharing the scriptures with us. Nobody's telling us what God is saying and what God is doing. You see, prophecy is so important to our faith. Paul said in uh, chapter 14, verse 22, just, just after that, 22 verses later, that the use of this gift is for the benefit of the believers. Are you all believers? The use of this gift is for you, for each of us, together in the church. For what? For us to encourage and for us to admonish one another. We remind each other about what God has said is going to happen. We remind each other of God's activity in our lives, and it brings encouragement and strength to us. Haven't you already, some of you have already received some encouragement and strength just being in this church service today? Why? Because there was prophecy that took place earlier in the service. And maybe even before church even started, you were talking to somebody that prophetically spoke to you and said, this is what God says about this situation. That's hope and that's help and that's strength and that's healing. So yes, it's a very important part of what we're doing. The third question is, what is prophecy? Prophecy is what God has said he is doing and going to do. It's that simple. 
what God has said he is doing and going to do. So let's not make this too complicated. Let's not make it too mystical here. God has let us in on what he's doing. He's shown us what his business is, what he wants to accomplish, and he's trained us how to do that. We just have to accept it and get on board with it and do what he's doing and speak what he's doing and what he's going to do to each other. And listen, when God speaks, we have a relationship with him and we can hear him. It's that still, small voice that when he speaks, you know it was him. You ever thought that you heard God, but you thought maybe not? When you hear God, you don't think maybe not. Deep inside, something happens and you know, oh my goodness, I just heard God. It's that still, small voice that he speaks to you, right? Uh, It's as clear as Noah. God told Noah, probably with a real voice though, okay? With With an audible voice, I should say. God told Noah, go build an ark. What did Noah do? He went out and he told everybody, God said he's gonna flood the place. What is that? It's prophecy. God said, this is what I'm gonna do. It was very tangible, right? Jonah, God told Jonah, Go and tell the people of Nineveh, I'm going to destroy you. So he went and he told them that. He wasn't very nice about it, though. He didn't do it in love, as we're being admonished to do here, right? But yet, the people listened. So prophecy is simply what God has said he's going to do and and what he's doing. So number four, question number four. Should we be concerned if there is wrongful use of it? Yes. Should we be concerned about the bathwater? Absolutely. Why? Because it can lead large groups into error. There are large groups of people today somewhere that are being led by false prophets. That's a problem, isn't it? We don't want that. So... Prophecy, a word of prophecy, is is more than a gut feeling. Are you with me on that? It's more than a gut feeling. It's God speaking. It's what God has said, and you say it too. And listen, God isn't at all interested in us making stuff up. You know, he's not interested in us shooting an arrow and then going and putting a target around it. That's not what God wants us to do. He wants us to hear from him and speak what he has said, not making stuff up. And the people who do that are in big trouble and they lead large groups of people straight to hell because of it. Right. And it's a problem. So we hear from God. How? Through his word. We hear from him through that still small voice. Sometimes I hear of people hearing him audibly. I don't know. I've never heard him audibly like that. But I do know at least personally that he speaks through that still small voice like I was talking about, that it is so strong, you know it was him. But he also speaks through peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding. How many of you have experienced that one? All right, so starting with uh, Jeremiah chapter 23 gives us some insight into this. Verse 9, we'll start there. 
uh, Jeremiah is saying, when I think of the prophets, I'm shocked and I tremble like someone drunk because of the Lord and, and his sacred words. Jeremiah's like, man, this is a problem. These prophets are false prophets. And he says those unfaithful prophets misuse their power all over the country. So God turned the pasture lands into scorching deserts. What happened? Tangible problems. The people were following the false prophets, so God scorched all of their crops, the entire community. That's a problem, right? What happened? They became fake politicians, and they started spreading fake news, as we hear about today, right? Does God like fake news? No, you're about to see. It's pretty interesting. When people start spreading fake news about His stuff, it's a problem. So, the Lord told me to say, Jeremiah says, You prophets and priests think so little of me, the Lord, that you even sin in my own temple. Now I will punish you with disaster, and you will slip and fall in the darkness. I, the Lord, have spoken. The prophets of Samaria were repulsive to me because they preached in the name of Baal and led my people astray. And you prophets in Jerusalem are even worse. You're unfaithful in marriage and never tell the truth. You even lead others to sin instead of helping them to turn turn back to me. You and the people of Jerusalem are evil like Sodom and Gomorrah. You prophets in Jerusalem have spread evil everywhere. That's why I, the Lord, promise to give you a bitter poison to eat and drink. Wow, he's mad. Don't listen to these lies of these false prophets, you people of Judah. The message they preach is something they imagined. It did not come from me, the Lord all-powerful. These prophets go to people who refuse to respect me and who are stubborn and do whatever they please. The prophets tell them, the Lord has promised everything will be fine. But I, the Lord, tell you that these prophets have never attended a meeting of my council in heaven or heard me speak. They're evil, so in my anger I will strike them like a violent storm. I won't calm down until I have finished. Wow, he's really upset, isn't he? I won't calm down until I've finished what I have decided to do. Someday you will understand exactly what I mean. I did not send these prophets or speak to them, but they ran to you, ran to find you and to preach their message. If they had been in a meeting of my council in heaven, they would have told you people of Judah to give up your sins and come back to me. I am everywhere, both near and far on heaven and on earth. There are no secret places where you can hide from me. These unfaithful prophets, these politicians that that are religious basically, claim that I have given them a dream or a vision, and they will tell lies in my name, but everything they say comes from their own twisted minds. How long can this go on? They tell each other their dreams, and they try to get my people to reject me, just as their ancestors left me and worshipped Baal. Their dreams and my truth are as far different as different as straw and wheat. But when prophets speak for me, they must say only what I have told them. When prophets speak for me, they must say only what I have told them. My words are a powerful fire. They are a hammer that shatters rocks. How many of you know you've ever heard from God because they were like a hammer shattering a rock in your life? Yeah. God's words are very few, right? And man, straight to the heart. 
These unfaithful prophets claim I give them their dreams, but it isn't true. I didn't choose them to be my prophets, and yet they babble on and on speaking in my name while stealing words from each other. Wow. And, then, and when my people hear these liars, they're led astray instead of being helped. So I warn you that I am now the enemy of these prophets. Wow. Bad news. I, the Lord, have spoken. Jeremiah, when a prophet or a priest or anyone comes to you and asks, does the Lord have news for us? Give us the news. Tell them, you people are a nuisance to the Lord and he will get rid of you. Does he have news for us? Uh, You're a nuisance. He's going to get rid of you. If any of you say, here is the news from the Lord... I will punish you and your families, even if you're a prophet or a priest. Instead, you must ask your friends and relatives. He says, don't ask for news because these people are giving you the fake stuff. Instead, ask them this. What answer did the Lord give me? What has the Lord said? It seems that you have you each have your own news. So if you say, here is the news from the Lord, you are twisting my words into a lie. Remember that I am your God, the Lord all-powerful. If you go to a prophet, it's all right to ask, what answer did the Lord give to my question? Or what has the Lord said? But if you disobey me and say, here is news from the Lord, I will pick you up and throw you far away. And I will abandon this city of Jerusalem that I gave to your ancestors. You will never be free from your shame and disgrace. All right, so now that I have thoroughly given you the heebie-jeebies about prophesying, I tell you as Paul told us, be eager, be eager to have the gifts that come from the Holy Spirit, especially the gift of prophecy. How can I say that? When we just read the fear and trembling that comes with it, it's very simple. Don't say it if God didn't tell you. Don't be afraid of it. And don't say it if He didn't tell you. If it's not in the Bible, And even if you think you heard something from him, it's probably good to run it past somebody before you pass it along. But it definitely needs to align with Scripture. So how do you do this? How do you do this? Let me ask you a question. Would you say, I hope you you do, would you say that I have the gift of preaching and teaching? Okay, so how did I get that? God gave it to me, but I had to unpack it, and I've had to work very hard to prepare sermons and how to communicate. I've had to work very hard to try to figure that out, even though it was a gift from God. And it's the same thing in our lives. It's like Jesus taught in the parable of the talents. Y'all remember the parable of the talents? This, This guy gave to one servant five talents, another he gave two, and another he gave one. And what did, what did Jesus say was expected of these men with these talents? That they would grow them, that they would multiply them, right? 
And it's the same thing with spiritual gifts in your life. God expects you to grow and multiply his giftings in your life, to begin to use them. And the gift of prophecy is one of those things that's overlooked. And honestly, people are so afraid of it because of all the stuff that I just read and all the stuff that we've seen people do. And and we don't want to be labeled as some crazy fanatic. And here's the truth. We have tons and tons of information that God has given us that you can use to speak life into other people and direction into other people's lives. And you would be spot on in prophetically communicating to them hope and peace, strength, direction, and help. So, how can you grow to do this? Number one, you get into God's Word And find scriptures that apply to situations in life, and you begin to put those things into memory. You get to know, and listen, I made it easy for you today. And this doesn't even include anything from the book of Revelation, which is all about prophecy, right? This is just simple stuff, scriptures that you can read through, that you can begin to memorize. Go through and pick one a week if you need to and memorize some scripture that you can then regurgitate when somebody comes to you with a situation that they're dealing with in their their life. You can give it to them. It's not that hard. It's not rocket science. Here it is. It's like 100 scriptures. Isn't that awesome? You can get into the Bible. You can get into his word. What does he say? So the Bible is full of this. Um, what is Romans chapter 8, verse 28? Somebody give it to me. Who? Yes. All right. Did she have to say it word for word? She didn't have to. But how does that encourage somebody? And, and how does that start? And we know. That God does this, right? So it challenges our belief. So someone comes to you and says, man, I don't understand why God is allowing this in my life. And I actually, I think he's caused it. I'm angry with him. And they're, and they're frustrated, whatever it was. You've got that scripture that's there. Now, what are you going to do? You're just going to quote the scripture and walk away. No. Would that be in love? No, but you've got it in your pocket. You know it's there. And you start praying, Father, how can I speak words of prophecy to them? We know. We know. So what does that mean? You ask them, do you love God? Yeah. In spite of all that? Yeah. Are you called according to his purpose? Well, I think so. All right, we need to work on that. But you are called according to his purpose. You love him. You've accepted Christ into your life. What does that mean? Scripture says, and we know that God works all things for the good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So I hear what you're saying today, and I declare to you that no matter how difficult this is, God is going to turn it to something good. You just prophesied. 
Did you say anything that's not true? Not at all. But when you don't say it in love, it smells like a rotten potato. You were wondering if I'd get potatoes in here today, didn't you? You ever have a rotten potato fall in, or a potato fall behind in the pantry or behind the baker's rack or something? And ugh, right? That's what it. Back in 2017, our house was struck by lightning and it burned. And uh, we lost a lot of sentimental things. You know, just it's just a horrible mess when you try to put something like that back together. And um, my late wife Angela. Uh, one Sunday, you know, we'd had a rough week. You know, the restoration companies are just horrible, horrible, horrible. If you've ever been through it, you understand what I'm saying. It can be overwhelming. So, you know, we're, we come to church and we're ready to do what God has called us to do, but she was struggling. One of the ladies in the church, her and her husband had gotten into a lot of, a lot of, uh, some, of some of the farther out teachings, you know, TV preachers and stuff. And some of the TV preachers and stuff, I'm not preaching against them today. It was some of the stuff that, that we're afraid of in, in prophecy, right? They'd gotten into some of that stuff. And, and the lady walked up to Angela and said, how are you doing? And she just was in a vulnerable moment. And she, she said, you know, I'm really having a hard time. And just was trying to say, I'm just having a hard time. Thank you for asking. And she looked at her after Angela finished and she said, Oh, it's just stuff. Let it go. You're going to get all new stuff. Your house is going to be rebuilt. And God's going to provide for you. And uh, the insurance is going to come through. And she turned and she walked away. And Angela just stood there and she just, you know, you can imagine. She felt like a heel standing in manure, you know. So let me ask you a question. Is what she said true? Absolutely. Is what she said prophetic? Sure it was. Sure it was. God's going to come through. Right? But was what she said pathetic? It wasn't said in love. So what would that have looked like? It would have looked like her putting her arm around Angela and saying, Listen, I know what's going on right now really really is awful but you need to know that I'm believing with you and I know that God is going to provide for you and he's going to take care of this and I know that you know this but you need to know that we see it and God is going to he's going to take care of all of this prophetic hope because why we know that he provides we know that he takes care of So three, we've got to grow in knowing the voice of God. So you've got to grow in knowledge of scriptures, grow in love, and grow in knowing the voice of God. That still small voice that I've talked about, begin to know it. And the peace that surpasses understanding, that is God. When your flesh is screaming out for help, and the peace of God comes on you, and you can't explain it. That's God speaking to you. Sometimes when I'm praying for a situation, James, David, would you come? 
uh, that peace that surpasses understanding will suddenly come on me. And I know that what God is saying is this prayer is answered and everything's going to be okay. On December 6th, Laura Ashley called me and she was scared. She said, Dad, Eli is having a hard time breathing. We're taking him to the ER. Six months old. I knew RSV had been going around and all of that. And I said, okay, I'm praying. I'm over an hour away working. I'll be there as soon as I can. Started praying. A couple of minutes later, that peace, like a blanket, just fell on me. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Everything's going to be okay. I texted her. Here's the text. God just gave me a peace while praying. All is well. About an hour and a half later, she asked if I could let her know when I got there, and she let me know that they just diagnosed him with RSV. And you can imagine the fear that would grip this young mother, right? And I was able to respond with confidence. He's going to be okay. What is that? It's prophecy. Am I a prophet? Do I consider myself a prophet? No. It's prophesying. You've got to know the voice of God and you need to know the peace of God in your life. And as a church family and as friends and family of each other, we can pass these things on to each other. They diagnosed him. It was a scary situation. They had to metaphyte him to Houston. But all the while, we knew everything was going to be all right. Why? Because God had spoken. You want people to know that God is the one that knows the future, and it is God that gives comfort. You want that, don't you? You want that. And God will use you to give that to each other. Do you believe that? He will use you. And you can speak with confidence. What He has said is going to come to pass. And He has promised many things to us. Do you know what those are? And are you communicating those things? Genesis chapter 41, and I'll finish with this. There's a story of Pharaoh of Egypt. You know, he had dreams, and he went to his advisors, magicians, and wise men, and he said, guys, here's the dreams that I had last night, and, and nobody could answer him what the dreams were, and he was frustrated, so he started asking around, does anybody know who could interpret these dreams? And one of his servants said, hey, there's a guy named Joseph down there in prison that can interpret dreams. You need to check with him. So they brought Joseph in, and he said, Joseph, I had a dream, yet no one can explain what it means. I'm told that you can interpret dreams. And look what he said. Your majesty, I can't do it myself, but God can give a good meaning to your dreams. God can. One of the main reasons Joseph was used by God at the level that he was, was Joseph made it very clear, it is God who speaks, it is God who is giving this information. It is God that gives you hope, not me.
And what's interesting is they gave him the name Imhotep, which means the God who speaks. God speaks to him. And when you share with people what God has said, you share it humbly, knowing that God is speaking through you to them and giving peace. So today I've given you these scriptures. Let's just start at the top. We're not going to read all hundred. Don't worry. We're going to go to lunch. I know there's some kind of a football game going on today too. So, if someone is struggling, come on! I'm teaching you how to minister to one another. Doesn't that excite you? Someone's struggling. You wrap your arm around them and say, you know what the scripture says? I can what? And then you ask them the question, do you believe that? Let it fill their hearts and let it fill their, their soul with faith and hope, right? What does that mean? It's prophecy. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. It's prophecy. That God would do that for you. That God would do that for them. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Pass that on to somebody else. Give it to somebody else. It's life. It's hope. It's strength. It's encouragement. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. But John, I've been waiting for so long. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. John, I'm struggling with this temptation over and over and over. I struggle with it. I don't understand why God is not getting rid of it in my life. Why didn't he stop it? Well, look what it says. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So let's trust and believe that God is going to provide that way of escape. And next time you're just going to run out that door, right? And speak that word of life and encouragement and faith and hope to them. You are a prophet. When you hold the very words of God and you speak to others the words of God, hope and encouragement, and I suppose that makes me a prophet. I never wanted to be one. Because I don't hear good things about them. But if I will humbly speak the word of God, and if you will humbly speak the word of God, let's change what a prophet looks like today. Amen? Let's be that for one another. 
So it's really interesting, you know, in that passage, I promise you I'll shut up. But in that 1 Corinthians chapter 14, you know, he's talking about, you know, speaking in tongues and all of that. He says, you know what, there's there's more good done through the speaking of tongues for the unsaved to come in and see this crazy, weird stuff happening in church. And they're like, what in the world is going on? He says, that's good. But this is for the believers. And he says that the people that aren't Christians will come into the church and they'll hear us encouraging one another with these words. And you read it, it's in that chapter 14. He says, these people will see you encouraging each other and prophesying to each other what God has said and they will fall on their knees and say God is in this house they will see it and believe so yes this is very very important amen would you bow your heads maybe you're here today and you don't have Jesus in your life He loves you. He cares about you. Very much. And He has promised to give you life, eternal life. And one day He'll wipe every tear from your eyes and make sense of it all. But today you've got to trust Him. And come into a relationship with Him and say, God, I want to get to know who you are. I want you to begin to write on my heart what you like and what you don't like. And I want to accommodate for you in my life for the rest of my life. I want that relationship with you. And I want to be hope and encouragement to the people around me for the rest of my life to be used by you for your kingdom. So I invite you into my life, and I thank you for loving me. I give you my heart. I give you my life, and I embrace your purpose for me. In Jesus' name, amen. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, if that was you today, I just want to give you the opportunity to say, yeah, John, that was me. I accepted Christ into my life today, and I want to learn who he is and have that relationship with him for the rest of my life. Right where you are, I just want you to look up at me until my eyes catch yours. Okay? All right? Anybody else? 